So um, I was given access to the uh, server mute functionality. So um, I just yeah. asked anybody in the audience, please mute your mics so I don't <laughs> have to mute you. Um, let me go ahead and start this here. Also, just so nobody is jarred, um, I do want to say that I will briefly be disconnecting and then reconnecting from a separate device. Uh, I I'm not running off. Um, Today, the discussion is centered around the following. Resolved, class struggle is a myth. Arguing in favor, we have PZH. And arguing against, we have I don't even like spiders. Um, we're going to aim for five to seven minutes where each debater will provide their opening argument. Following that, We'll be maintaining an open forum, so back and forth, uh, so long as we maintain civility. And then, once we've sufficiently had the discussion, from there, there will be five to seven minutes of closing arguments. Um, I just ask that we avoid speaking over one another um, and avoid any fallacies, etc. Um, I'm fairly hands-off, uh, so without further ado... Um, I'd just like to welcome whichever of our speakers to go ahead and present their opening argument first. Thank you. I guess uh, I, I can't hear you very well. You you're very cut off, but I'll since I raised the point, I guess I'll start. I have something prepared as well. Um, yeah. Class struggle is the ongoing conflict between different social and economic classes involving those who owns the means of production and those who must sell their labor. I hold that this premise is false in, in a modern day context. That is, it is, sorry, that it is a populist ideology and that it is harmful. While I cannot disprove a negative, I can, I will try to address concepts that class struggle is based on and provide evidence where I can. Firstly, we no longer live in medieval times, and there is no lingering political structures from that period, certainly not in liberal democracies. People today in Western societies have strong individual rights that the government has to protect. The people have the right to vote for the representatives to be in power. Should a government fail in, in its purpose to serve the public, those representatives can be voted out over time. What about the claims that the government is controlled by the rich? Studies show that politicians have kept 85% of their promises. The recent tax increases in my country, such as bringing down tax bracket on income tax to increase tax revenue, increasing corporation tax by 30%, removing allowance for capital gain tax and increasing them, higher taxes on landlords and expensive requirements, 75% windfall tax on energy companies, all indicate anything but the rich controlling the government. Secondly, we no longer live in a society with clear divisions between who owns the means of production and those who do not. Owning your own means of production has never been cheaper. From starting your own website, from barely any, uh, for barely any, any money on Amazon, on AWS, to starting your own food stand for $500, to attracting investors to help fund your business ideas. It is much easier and simpler to own your own means of productions. On top of that, Anyone who has a pension is technically a capitalist. You put money into your pension throughout your life, which is invested in shares of other growing companies to give you a return. When you retire, you live off your pension 
investments and become a full-blown capitalist. What about the rich today? Where do they come from? A substantial portion of them are founders of successful companies, showing that old money is a fading influence in modern society. Why is class struggle harmful? It is divisive and breaks down society into warring factions. Instead of man working together against nature for the betterment of all, it is a fight between man versus man. If you use comparative economics and compare countries that believe in the concept of class struggle and compare them with countries that believe in the concept of class collaboration, a belief that the division of society into hierarchies of social classes is a positive and essential aspect of civilization, then you will see that societies do, that do not have internal fighting produce better outcomes for all. These countries, such, these are countries such as Austria, Germany, the Netherlands, Denmark, Finland, Norway, and Sweden. Compared to those in the USSR, Mao's China, and Venezuela, I think most people would agree that class struggle is a key factor for those countries doing worse economically and politically. Why is class struggle harmful to individuals who believe it? Seeing the world through the lens of class struggle means that if you, that if you got the short end of the stick, you will never succeed in life. There is no point in trying to be successful as the system itself will keep you in your place. Everything that went wrong in your life can be interpreted as a result of class struggle. So in conclusion, class struggle is a myth, a dangerous and destructive myth that we should all abandon. That's, uh, that's my opening. All right. Hello? Yeah, not not very well, but yeah. Give it a go. Sure. Let's start with the fundamental. Well, let me start thing first and foremost. I'm not a dialectician. I am not trying to view uh, the development of history through sort of contradictions or material contradictions and so on. I'm strictly looking at this at the point of the individual in relation to the state. Let us start with the fundamental ontology of the subject. Human action is by function a product of rational agency. We can call this concept practicality. At the point of the subject, there exists certain value determinations. These determinations are irreducible and unknowable objectively. In other words, it is impossible for an external entity like a communist party to decide what the values are of an individual subject. We can hold one fundamental axiom in this case. In this case, action is a pursuit towards the mitigation of felt unease. Action is always insatiable, right? We will never be fully content, otherwise we just simply die. There will always be something in which we do in order to persist. If this relation of the subject were to be true, then it, then it is evident that, the sub, that subjective values can only be derived from the subject exclusively. No other person can or has the capacity to determine how another person ought to act. They cannot prescribe values in this sense. Given this, we can agree that acts of unilateral government, acts of unilateral coercion are wrong. They go against the subjective desires of the individual. One potent example is that of taxation, an act utilizing coercion in direct subversion, 
slash inhibition of the subject. The subject, the subject to clarify, whose ontology has been described earlier, is in relation to the state as a subordinate, a subordinate. That is, the state as having legitimate, a legitimate monopoly on violence can control how the, how the subject behaves, how the subject exists and interacts within society. Furthermore, there are myriad of, myriad of examples in regards to class struggle. Taxation, where it courses the subject, but more so uh, regulations, right? Regulations attempt to distort the free market, whereby the subject is not allowed to consume as they please, but is rather up to the state in which, what, in which determines what their consumption habits are. This is a fundamental and flagrant, flagrant violation of liberty. I rest. My rebuttal QZH's opening argument. Uh, Frank? Here, we're carrying on to the open forum segment of our debate. Um, as I don't even like spiders, spoke last. PZH, you have the floor. Um, once again, we are going to maintain this so long as civility lasts. Okay, so I'm a bit confused. Um, you said that the state uh, violates the liberties of the individual. I didn't hear anything about class struggle, though. That is fundamentally a violation. The violation of a subject's liberty is class struggle. The state has a distinct organization, right? That certain actions must be taken in order for it to sustain itself. The sustainment of the state is itself parasitic, right? It utilizes coercion against society in order to sustain its underlying organizational model. That is class struggle. Where is the class? The class is the political estate against that of society, the non-political versus the political. Right. So, a so two two things that you have to that you have yet contend yet to contend with. When we discuss about class struggle, I'm talking about the dictionary definition of class struggle. So, obviously, you I'm, I'm not sure. Do you agree that the dictionary definition of class struggle? Oh, okay, so do you the struggle agree? between class and contradiction of values? Yeah, sorry. So do you, do you agree that the Marxist definition of class struggle is a myth? Yes. Right. Okay. Well, that that should make things easier. Um. Okay, so so we agree with the premise. Uh, what in, in you you are taking a different route than the than the classic definition of, of class struggle, the diction definition? You want to take a slightly different direction, I understand? I mean, it's not, there is no necessary, there's no ownership over class struggle per se. Um, yeah, I mean, from the, beginning, from the beginning, I've stated that I'm an agorist, I'm going to be utilizing a libertarian version of class theory. Um, I'm not a dialectician, nor will I be trying to construct a material uh, material precondition for some sort of historical evolution. It's purely at the point of the subject, at the point of free will, and so on. Okay, so we agree the class struggle is a myth. Now, in your definition, the class is, the, if you look at the dictionary definition of class, it's either a social or economic definition of class. 
Um, so, I mean, again, class itself is something that Marx coined. He didn't invent it, but he synthesized it, and the, the diction of a definition of class is his. So what is your definition of class? Who is, who is the state? Which class right. does the state so, come from? Right. So the problem with Marx's conception of class is it's extremely weak, right? Where is the bourgeoisie? Does it encompass uh, entrepreneurs and so on? As it pertains to libertarian and agorist class theory, there is the political estate and the non-political estate. That is, a, the state has a very distinct and material organizational model which has certain fundamental actions which must occur in order for the state to sustain itself. This is in contrast, right, as the political state, to people who aren't a part of the given political apparatus, whereby their fundamental input is not required in its core ontology. What, what's required for the state to sustain itself? Okay, I understand that you don't like the state, but the state itself isn't a class. The state itself is a class. How's that? Go ahead. Explain to me how it is a class. It is a class of actors with a distinct organizational model who coordinate around a certain principle of self-sustainment. Okay, so if, if I were to... Uh, I, I'm, I'm going to say working for the state is essentially a job. So if I go apply for a job, you know, as, I don't know, a policeman or a bureaucrat or something, then I, I am part of the state. And if I'm fired from my Even job, I'm, I'm no longer part of the state. Is that correct? So it's not a class, it's a job. Are what, what's your definition of class? Are the you saying the that it doesn't exist? It's either a social or economic definition of class. Right, so it is a social and economic condition, right? Well, no. The subject to it being a job is simply the agent being a part of a given organizational model. Even the agents of a state can be in contradiction to the state's practice, right? The state, it's a, you could say that the state is a group of people, but I don't see how you can make the claim that it is a class. Because it has a distinct and set organizational model, which must sustain itself. So does a corporation. It has an economic... So does a corporation. Yeah, exactly. A corporation is a part of the political estate. That is, it requires the state for its own sustainment. Right, but there isn't a corporation class, is there? That is, I just said, this, the corporation is a part of the political intertwined. Right? They require the state in order to sustain itself, perpetually sustain itself. But let me get on this, right? If this is going to be a semantic argument on what class is in this Marxist versus libertarian argument, my fundamental definition of, of class is, in regards to political estate, a fundamental and material uh, organizational model with certain fundamental actions which must occur in order for the given ontology of the state okay, hold to on, even hold on. I, I don't care what your specific definition of class is. I want the dictionary definition. Then I'm not a Marxist. Uh, Marx doesn't own just, just class. The, just the, just the, the class. Just the dictionary definition, not the social economic class. Okay, I, I don't see that as a right. I don't see that as a. I don't see the state. I don't see the state as a class, though. People who work in the state as a class, like for example, you can say politicians come from all walks of life. Bureaucrats come from all walks of life. Policemen come from all walks of life. Like you know, in terms of class, they can be upper, lower, middle class, they can have a lot of money, not a lot of money, politicians as well. So I don't see like a, the people who are employed in the state, the representatives, democratic representatives, 
are a, a class in this definition of class. So it's nice that you have like this, okay. uh, this, this different, let, let different, defini different definition, but I'm not sure where it's going, where it's here, uh, leading. Okay. Let me try to, let me try to explain why a ontological sort of, uh, concrete and material expression of a class is better than abstract socioeconomic lower middle and upper class, right? These standards in which you delineate different classes are very weak. Right? You can't, what is a middle class? What is required for the middle class to exist? There's no consensus, consensus, I can't even fucking pronounce the word, but there's no underlying uh, general agreement as to what lower, middle, and upper class is, right? Uh, I mean, but I, I, won't, state, I, won't, I won't agree necessarily with that because you, you do have like a, if, if you go with economic class, then it's, you know, people who make this much money a year in different classes. If you have a social uh, class, then it's, you know, people who were born with, with a silver spoon in their mouth versus people who were born in a particular zip code. And you can tell that they come from that particular zip code by the way they behave and, and by the way they, they pronounce the English. I don't know. You, I'm just, just leading to a particular point. So either of these are the definitions that we today associate with class. Right, then that's a contradictory definition of what Marx would be class, right? Marx would like saying that it's, do, Marx would be around the economic at the very least. Right, but to say that it's yeah, and so is the political estate it is fundamentally an economic class, right? No. To say that yes, it requires the the state leeches economics in order to sustain itself via taxation. It has an economic the, the, right, extension but, by which Okay, so I don't see how you can. I don't see how you can say that the state is a class. So let let's say you you say there is a ruling class, and the ruling class is who who controls the state and who pulls the levers of power. Okay, and then we'll say people in this class are of a certain socioeconomic position or or I don't know range, but I've just made the case that that's not true in a regular state because you have different people who work in the state come from different economic backgrounds, different soci sociological backgrounds. So that, that doesn't seem to be the case. So, but, but if you say the state itself is a class, and if I work today in the state, I'm part of the class. If I get fired the next day, I'm no longer part of that. That doesn't mean anything. It just, it's just a, a job necessarily, or you're part of a group of people who run the state. It's not a class. Being a part of a group of people makes you a part of a class for example no, a classroom, not necessarily right a classroom you are a, for example a class of uh, 2026 class of 2025 <laughs> class of 2024 class of that's not the, the that's not the definition of class at all it's it, when, it's not right, when but, i say when i say class struggle i don't mean class of 95 versus class of 96 exactly class is simply classification right there is no underlying binding substance in which we must uh, sort of take this dictionary definition as absolute well, truth as to what class is. Well, then what are we arguing? That's why, these, that's why these signifiers for what class is, lower, middle, and upper class, oh, how you eat your, how you, uh, eat your food if you cut a banana instead of eating it uh, normally like an average person, that is not a standard in which we can delineate different forms of class. We must look at it ontologically, right? What are 
a given, a given class that requires fundamental things in order for it to exist in the first place. The state, ontologically, has a distinct organizational model, which makes its, um, which makes its demarcation very, very uh, foundational. And it allows it to be in relation to the non-political state. It allows you right, to analyze this class and what its impositions are onto uh, the non-political commons, however you want to phrase it. Look, I'm, I'm a bit disappointed because uh, you came here to... I, I had a particular debate topic about cl class struggle. Now, you agree that class struggle is a myth and, and, you're, and you're saying that class as defined by the dictionary, which is pretty much defined by Marx, is also not good. So you want just the definition of class is anything, and that definition in this case is the state versus everyone else. That We're not talking about the same thing, so I'm not sure where we can go on from here, but essentially you've agreed with the premise, so that's, uh, that was... Uh, well, I mean, I mean, look, PJH, if you want to go where... Exactly. Where I, the I want to. I'll, te I'll tell you. I'll tell you what I want to do. I want you to say, yeah. Either either Marx w was right to some degree. Either was uh, yes. Marxism. We do. Yes, we do have some sort of class struggle, and here is why. Like, look, we have these uh, uh, people who have to strike to get to get what they what they want from, and, and this is an, this is a evidence of class struggle. Or you say, well, look, I've got a fresh take on class struggle, but it's still within some sort of intelligible framework and this is what i'm presenting you've abandoned all the premises for this debate completely there is nothing that it is, doesn't resemble anything from class struggle in the common sense of the of the word easy um if we go to the original message i linked two articles libertarian class analysis i don't care what you look I, I you're not gonna look I specifically spoke about class struggle from the beginning. I, I haven't changed it. You wanted to talk about something, and I said, if you want, if you have a fresh take on it, you you're perfectly welcome to do that. You'll just have to justify it. You haven't done so. How have I not? I've described the you've destroyed the you've destroyed it's the definition you've destroyed the definition of class struggle, and you've destroyed the definition of class. So what do you, what do you want me to do about it? How have I destroyed the definition of class struggle? The classic, the classic, the classic definition of class struggle, as if you open the dictionary, as if you open Wikipedia, the first thing that comes up is what I've described, not what you're describing. So you're saying, well, look, you could say Marx was a little bit wrong, but I have a fresh take on it, and here's something a little bit, you know, interesting. I'll entertain that if you justify it, but you've completely gone away in a very different direction, and you've eliminated class in a, in a social an economic sense. You're just saying a group of people is a class. O okay, so is, I don't know, Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts are a class, uh, a corporation is a class, all, all journalists are a class, everything's a class. It, it means nothing. So I don't know what to go from here. Let me pause you to, real quick. Um, Frank, look at the chat. Um, Real Volunteerism wants to, to add some comments, and I also would like to add some comments, so let me know when we can speak. Certainly. Let me, let me just say, first and foremost, right, I described the ontology of a class political state. I've described its impositions, clash struggle between the non-political state and the political state. Um, if we looked originally where the debate was invoked, I asked you clearly, right, to try to refute libertarian class analysis. Clearly. You, you went, the fact that you went in a different tangent on your own, I, I even said this a couple of hours ago. 
I said, look, if you have some a fresh take on class struggle, you're welcome to present it. You, you, I read, I read, I read a little bit about about Hope, but like essentially, if you're saying uh, because the state uses uh, basically Hope is saying there's a ruling class, and, and he doesn't, and he uses the class very liberally. It's not the actual definition of class, and you, and in addition, if you want to take Hope like more literally, then the state and all criminal organizations, where the state has the monopoly on force on all other criminal organizations, all those together are the ruling class, even though the state obviously is the monopoly, but everything else is all the ruling class. Anyone who uses coercion, all criminal organizations and the state are the ruling class. So you can make the case for that if you'd like. I read a little bit about Hoppe, but this is, you've, you've redefined class to mean nothing. You've redefined class struggle to mean nothing. Oh, sorry, it means something to you, but not like the standard thing, so I don't know where to go. Okay, um, there's obviously a logical fallacy called the appeal to the uh, dictionary definitions. Oh my god. Um, and it's, it, it, I mean, it's quite bad faith, right? If we look at the original, um, the original reason why we're even having this discussion, right, is I clearly asked you, right, try to refute libertarian class analysis in the article I sent, and more specifically, I'm going to go down on the Gorist route, right? And no, class has not been, class is necessarily, can mean any, class can mean anything, right? But I've given you a specific ontological framework by which we can deduce what is class. Yeah, but you've, give, you've, given me a very, you've given me a very strange ontological framework that doesn't resemble anything relevant to the original topic. I can't use it. I can't agree to it either. Why not? So, gentlemen, uh, uh, it's so far, I apologize to cut your point there, uh, but it's so far as we've reached the discussion. Um, I did just want to take a moment to ask both of you uh, your consent here. Pastor has noted that real volunteerism has uh, stated he'd like to add a comment. I'm willing to grant that concession, uh, but I did want permission for both of you if that is to take place. Sure, no problem. Yeah, that's completely fine. So what I want to add, uh, I am kind of excited with um, spiders on this one because class can be any dimension of being um, that you can um, classify things. So everything that is, is a square could be classified as a class. So a book would be um, <laughs> what be, would belong to a class of squares on the same way or a rectangle, um, on the same way a laptop would be, and everything that's squared would belong to that class. Or when it comes to the to the definition of classes or social classes that um, Spartacus is using, he's using the pre-Marx um, definitions, which is, there was a distinction between the idle class and the industrialist class. The industrialist class was everyone who was involved in production while um, and this included the capitalists and the workers, while the idle class was everyone who was not involved in production, but they still wanted a part of production, which make, for example, taxation to be uh, taking part of production without being involved in it. So before Marx, this was the definition that um, the European socialists used to use um, for classes. That's the definition um, Spider seems to be going for, while... Um, Zombie seems to be going for the for the post Marx Marx definition, which puts the capitalists against the worker and ignores the state as if the state was not a separate class. 
would would it be fair to say that let's say we had a debate about socialism and I came in thinking we're talking about Marxist socialism and uh, spider study he was thinking about some kind of esoteric and like anarchy based anarchy based socialism then we would just talk over each other the whole thing so there's no real point um, because like I'm you can say, like, you know, the agorists have, like, their own definition, but it's not common. It's not common knowledge. And it wasn't stated that we're doing, like... Or at least I I wasn't going to agree to that. If that was, like, the intention, I would not have agreed to the, the debate. I, I want a class struggle as a myth in the socialist sense, in the Marxian sense, in the classic sense, the old dictionary definition sense. So, uh, I mean, um, I, I yeah, don't, I don't know what to, what to I, do necessarily. I don't know what to tell you because... Quite literally, I asked you in a, I agree in an aggressive manner, as we usually always bicker on chat, right? That um, I, I asked you to refute specifically libertarian class analysis or, of course, class theory. A class struggle is not a concept owned by Marx. It's I mean, look, we, we, owned by anyone. we we can we can have a chat about it. Like you can explain to me what it is, and I can discuss it. But you've conceded to the original statement, so if you want to just chat about it, that's fine to the original statement uh, you have in which you agree that there exists a form of class struggle. Is, is that correct? So you're saying... <laughs> you're saying I mean, you that... Refute- you're, saying, you're saying that... For, forget like the, 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 the dictionary definition. I have this like really, really... Uh, let's say strange or, or, or like held by a, a small group of people perspective of, of what this... What actually class struggle mean? Not the not the stuff that ninety nine percent of the population know. And I want argue, and you want me to argue about that very very minimal group of people, people's definition at of it. Populum, at populum, appeal to de- dictionary definitions. Yeah, I'm I'm sorry, I mean, but what we do have to appeal to dictionary definitions and not far out their definitions. I've just given you an. A no, you've given me. I, I I agree. I agree that you've given it. You've given me your definition. I'm not not saying you haven't. I'm just saying it's a very strange, unknown definition. And why does that matter to the substance of the argument? Because I don't. We're not discussing the same thing. Uh, man, if you just look at. Okay, so again, we've 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 agreed, or you've said specifically that you know the Marxist definition of class struggle, you agree is, is a myth. So if you want to discuss. Your definition of whatever we can have a chat about that, but it's external to the dis- to the debate. If you, but I, but I, but, I, but I'm willing to but I'm willing to entertain the idea if you'd like. I mean, the debate says that is essentially over. You agree that to some unless you want to refute Agora's class theory. I'm not going to. I've already explained it. To you, well, I, right? I I can say this. Either, let's say Hoppe, because I'm not familiar with specifically. I don't think you've made the case, but let's say Hoppe's I'm not, class. I'm not Hoppe. Have, have, you, have you said something different than Hoppe's or not? I mean, Agora's class theory, I've never read Hoppe, but Agora's class theory is quite. Okay, well, explain, explain from A to Z. Libertarian class analysis? I mean, uh, whatever you want to present, explain from A to Z. If it's not Hoppe's, then explain it. I mean, I've already explained it. Uh, so the, sta- the, sta- classes, the, the state so takes class. the state is you're saying the state is a class, so and it it takes liberties from everyone else, yeah. 
What what else does the state do? Distorts markets. I uh, mean, it takes yeah. liberty. What's the positive thing that the state does? In terms of positive action, or in terms of mm, benefit benefit to the people of of that of that state of that There's society. Essentially nothing. Well, it, essentially it, nothing. This is false. Protects it protects uh, individual rights, does it not? To some degree. Individual rights are not a product of a product of ethical study. So right. I don't understand. Ethical you're deni you're denying that individual rights exist. I I don't get it. I'm denying that the state is capable of protecting individual rights since the state acts not incongruent to uh, subjective values. And furthermore, that um, rights themselves are not, not a product of fiat. No one gets to decide uh, what a right is. Right? Well, okay, uh, rights so are, the state protects constitutional rights? Again, the constitutional the constitution is a product of fiat. I'm not an expert on the constitution, but those aren't rights as emergent from ethical study. No, they they are rights as emergent from from rational ethical studies. That's that's the point. So how so? Just to sure. briefly take a moment here, as we have departed from the original resolution of the debate, um, I'd just like to state for the record here: um, essentially, both of our debaters are in agreement that Marxist class struggle is a myth. Um, if we are to carry on and get into the um, details of libertarian class theory, specifically the agorist position and so on, um, we'll be carrying out a discussion period where our debaters, if that's how we would like to go about this, uh, will discuss agorist class theory and we'll see if there's any reconciliation or if essentially we have a debate um, but i did just want to state okay I'll, I'll 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 just briefly sum up my position on on this so basically the agorist or i'll say libertarian slash hopper that i'm familiar with it's basically a package deal it is saying that the it is essentially saying the state is a criminal organization with the monopoly on force in this like the same as any other criminal organization, and it will always use coercion and uh, break your, like, ruin your your rights or take away your rights or violate your rights. W w again, where the state has a monopoly on it. Um, I would say that this is a package deal because the state does protect your individual rights imperfectly, but it does protect them. And um, you can't say that the state is a is a criminal organization because of this element. It it does provide a service to its citizens. It does it does protect them, their property, their individual rights. They're based on the law, based on the constitution, based on ba which is based on uh, rational ethical studies on on how humans should um, interact with one another. What what is the just way of interacting with other humans? The legal system in and of itself which the, the state follows, is a huge intellectual achievement how, um, or, that has evolved over thousands of years and helps us live in a, in a more civilized and, and less violent society. And uh, for that reason, like, you can't say that you can't say that the state is, is evil or, or fully evil or fully um, 
like a coercive organization because it intervenes in certain things. Something, is it, something is, it intervenes, it's supposed to, it's a legitimate role of the state, and, th- and some things it is illegitimate, like, you know, forcing, I, I would say, forcing uh, healthcare or forcing education uh, and things of that nature, but certainly things of protecting people's rights, protecting people from violence, or once if someone violated your rights, they will, they will act as a reta- retaliatory agent. These are valid uses of, of uh, intervention. And it would be a package deal to just say that it's all intervention, all state intervention is basically coercion, uh, which is the same as a, as a, as a gang or, or a criminal organization. So that's my, my position. How would you distinguish a gang from the state, right? Let's say, <laughs> let's say my, for example. That's not my, that's not my, no, that's not my point. No. no, okay, let me try to, let me try to demonstrate this, okay? Uh, my name is, what's his name? Vito Corleone, okay? And I own the block. You are my constituent. I'm a part of the mob. You pay me, I don't know, $500 a day from your revenue. I don't care if it seeps into your profit to your lifestyle. You pay me $500 a day, I protect you from the other gangs, right? This is what the state is, essentially. It holds a monopoly on violence in which it creates abstract rights out of fiat and protects these rights, quote-unquote rights, via the use of force. Okay. Taxation is fundamentally force. So you agree that on that extent, clash will exist, right? You agree that insofar no, as taxation... I, I, I don't agree. I don't agree the tax struggle exists in the terms of the state is, is the class you're struggling against. I'm saying that, that the state can intervene in uh can take out into can carry out interventions that are legitimate and it can carry out interventions that are illegitimate okay first and foremost taxation is theft yeah i i I would i would agree that it's coercive yes and this relation is a struggle between the political state and political state correct it's not a class struggle You agree I, that the relation exists, and insofar as we meet the agorist definition of class, that relation exists as a function. I'm not sure. I, I look. I don't see. I don't see like a ruling class here, and I and I don't see a um, productive class. Like you, you can say basically workers, or you can say um, factory owners, or you, I don't know if you classify retirees as as a productive class. I'm not exactly sure, but it's not. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say this is a class struggle. I wouldn't agree to say that it's a class struggle. I would say that, again, the state has a particular function. Some of it that it does today is legitimate, and some of it is illegitimate. And that is not to say that it is a like a criminal organization in any way, shape, or form. In fact, I think that if we did have anarchy, then having criminal organizations would be the result of removing the state. Like, you, ba- you basically just have sort of, like, mob-like um, control of different parts of the country where the, the, those mobs take, like, money from the people it, it protects, in quotes, and uh, you basically just have to do it while you're living in that area. That's, that's how I would see anarchy manifesting in terms of, like, gangs coming up. And it's a very good example what you gave in that sense. 
but uh, but yeah, I don't agree that it's a. I don't see a class to struggle with. Okay, first and foremost, we've departed the entire. Yeah, yeah, we we've definitely departed. Uh, we've we've so everyone like yeah, we've departed. So I'm just I'm just entertaining your point. Right. So now that you've added a positive claim of knowledge, can you justify your assertion that anarchy would be an amalgamation of mobs? So I just I, I don't know if I can justify it necessarily. I just envision it that way. I'm not sure I can say I can have a formula and say that that this will definitely happen. And I'm not and again, I don't normally argue with with ANCAPs on this point. But I, I, I definitely think it's a risk. I I'm, I'm de- definitely would consider it a risk that it would happen. Certainly, if like a group of people who are professional uh, mercenaries or former uh, army people wished to set up something like that, then I don't see necessarily how many things can stop them. And to add to it, if, if that mob, for example... Uh, protects the people in that particular area in a satisfactory way because mobs, even like in Italy or like around the prohibition time in America, they they did have law enforcement features in them, and if the the people in that area are happy with with it, they could continue indefinitely being the group of people that takes care of that particular section of the country. Uh, so again, I can't uh, justify it a hundred percent, but I just envision it that way. Okay. Um, do you agree that values are subjective? Um, well, I would not necessarily agree. So I, I'm sure you know I won't, won't agree with that necessarily. I would say that you have a division between subjective and objective, right? Uh, elaborate. Yeah, so I, I, I don't have a division between subjective and objective. I have division between subjective, objective, and intrinsic. So I would say that values could be objective, but not you won't understand what I mean by that. I mean, what do you mean? So intrinsic is out there in the world, like something is good or something is of value out there in the world, no matter which human goes goes past it. Uh, ob- subjective is uh, I... I uh, give something of value like uh, on the spur of a moment without like uh, basically um intuitively or un un unreflectively i i assign a value to something and objective is i rationally think i i look i look at the world i see something and i rationally think if this is good for me and that would be in my philosophy be considered objective okay let's say let well we can get into the whole discussion about intrinsic value, which doesn't exist since value is only relative to its subject. Okay. But we can ignore that for now, which is fine. But on the case of objective values, right, that all occurs at the point of the subject. I mean, you have to sort of contextualize and create a narrative of your own life in order to do these, as Rand would say, objective values towards the pursuit of going and so forth against self-sacrifice, whatever. That, but fundamentally, these values occur at the individual, right? There is no other person which imposes how someone ought to act. I would say how that someone the, ought to value something. I would say that there are some values that depend on the certainly, like 
it's from the individual's point of view. I would add, though, that there are values that are cross-humans, like water and food would be cross-humans. Why? Because you need water and food to live. What if I don't want to live? You, that, is, that is fine, but uh, technically all animals are, um, are a biological teleology to them. They have a goal and uh, they need to obtain typically water and food on a daily basis. Um, and, that, and that is a sort of teleology. And, and uh, in, uh, in addition to us, uh, separate from animals, we have the power of, of conceptualization. So we can choose uh, values. Um, we can choose ourselves our own values. So for example, I, c I can say, I really value winning a marathon, even though it has, uh, or like I'll, I, I want to value reading a, bo a book a week for the next year. And, and I'll feel like very happy if I accomplish this value that I set for myself. Um, because humans are capable of doing something like that above animals. Uh, uh, right. Well, I hope I answered your question. I mean, I don't really, I don't necessarily, okay. Regardless, the reason why I'm invoking value mm -hmm. is in regards to individual analysis, right? There is no such thing as a group of people which are in total alignment, right? I am, it's impossible to have really a, a shared group of people in perpetual alignment with each other, which totally agree on it. Sure. Subjective in that sense that, yeah, okay. So on the point of taxation, the universalizing quality or totalizing quality of the state is coercive, right? No, no well, hold get... on. Back, you, you need to go a step back here. So why, okay, okay. Why, don't you, why don't you tell me, why don't you answer this? Why would it be of uh, a group of people who have different values let's say 20 people or, or, or 200 people, why would it be of value in their own interest to have a state? I don't know. It's up to them. It's up to individuals. Right, right no, no, but let's, let, let's, let's think about it rationally. Like if, why would be, even if you say a rights protection agency, what, why would it be of value to them to have that? Their subjective valuations. No, 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 no. no. There's a, there's a right... There's a Rash. ration, there's a rational reason for it. It's not subjective. What would it be? What is it? You tell me. Well, I'm asking you, to, I have an answer. I'm asking you what you think it is. I don't know the answer. If you're okay. telling me that there's a intrinsic reason why people will need. I'm, I'm not saying there's an intrinsic um, reason, but there's a, but each, it would be of interest to each person in that group to have a, a state that protects them from, protects their individual rights so that other people will not violate their freedom. Or if they do violate the freedom, the state will act as an agent to retaliate force against those people who violated your rights. It is in their best interest to have these sort of like mini peace agreements between every other person in society so that you can continue your life uh, uh, like without anyone interrupting it. And therefore it is, it is in the interest of every person in that group to have that sort of framework to have a legal system, to have a, a, a state that protects them from 
someone violating their rights. That, that would be a benefit for every person there. If, if they sit and think rationally, every single person would benefit from that system. Not particularly. I well, mean, if you don't I'm, agree I'm, with I'm what that is. individual... Right. If you right. don't agree as to what... So it, it, would, it would still be of value to everyone there. So if, if we have like a minimal agreement, a very, very minimal agreement that every person agrees this is what we need, then you would agree that everyone benefits from this sort of society. Because, so that uh, because people, that people, 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 look, uh, people benefit from society. Otherwise, we, it wouldn't exist. There's, there's some benefit to it, in the, to each person in it. If there is no benefit to society, then society wouldn't exist. Yeah, I mean... It, okay, what's benefit? Of value. To, 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 to the individuals in it. Okay, let me first start with the notion that okay, what are what are your what is your concept of individual rights? Is it the non-aggression principle? Uh, not exactly, no. Then what is it? It's similar. Let's just say yes for argument's sake. Okay, so the non-aggression principle is emergent from ethical study. It doesn't need fiat in order for it to exist. It's simply a method to demarcate what is anarchy and what isn't anarchy. Right. So I, I, I don't think that through the non-aggression principle you can per every incident of rights violation that you think your rights have been violated or, or you don't think that you violate someone else's but they do. I don't think that it's a good idea to, to throw away thousands of years of legal intellectual achievement and reshape all of that by, well, I, I have some kind of a priori notion that something has been violated and I want to go to a court because you can't really function in society that way, in, in my opinion. And, and throwing away that very, very valuable legal system would be a mistake and would lead to anarchy and chaos. I mean, I can't really play with this because you're having assertions such as anarchy would be chaos, a legal system over some other form of arbitration is better without really providing a foundational Okay, so let's, let's, provide, let's, provide a, let's provide a foundation. So let's just take the legal system, yeah? We've sp the first legal okay. system that, that we, we found was, was uh, 1750 BC with the Code of Hammurabi, like basically a, a stone tablet, a large stone tablet that says some kind of uh, legal, some kind of laws to, to govern a country. We've had thousands and thousands of years of people thinking hard what would be the best way for society to function peacefully and in a civil way, basically civilization. And we've, we've added to it over, the, over those thousands of years, and, and now, we, now we're here at this point in time. And, and the non-aggression principle is basically saying, throw all those away. We don't need them. Even though like the, the, these are like objectively positive laws. I mean, I, I won't say like that there aren't any laws that snuck in there that, that corrupt the system. But just think of, of all the intellectual effort that has done for, for thousands of years by millions of people. It, it's essentially, if you look at it, it's like law as in a, a science of how to live with other people. It's, it's essentially science. And we want to throw all that away and say the non-aggression principle is just if you feel a priori that, you, that your rights have been violated, that's, that's, that's good enough. Let's, start a, let's go to like a, a jury, which again abandoned all those laws. I mean, maybe, 
maybe it can choose to reuse some of them or all of them or all of them plus something. I have no idea. It's all very random and chaotic. And we're saying society will function just fine. And we're essentially doing that because we really, really hate the state and we're trying to figure out ways of how to do it outside the state. Now, if, if I had some like ANCAP from uh, Aries server, they'll, they'll probably like, you know, rake me over the coals and say, no, that's not way. I think even Nova can probably rake me over the coals by my, by my lack of understanding of, uh, of anarchy, of ANCAP, sorry. But, um, so I'm not like, and again, I'm not, it's not something I normally, it's not a group of people I normally like debate with. Um, but just, just my particular point that the law system is very, very valuable. Um, and if you don't have that, if you say, if you say we, we're just using the non-aggression principle and going by, okay, I, I feel or I, I a priori just know there's some kind of like mechanism in my brain that just tells me I've been, I've been, my rights have been violated. Um, then I don't know. I don't think that's a good idea. So I hope I've, I've explained my position. So the legal system, by way of existing independently of whatever someone rationally deduces as a violation of their rights, is a benefit to these subjects precisely because there's a equalizing factor whereby everyone has to follow these given rules in order to participate in society. Is that sort so, of your oh, I mean, so, reasoning? Certainly you can say the universal. Everyone should have the same like the same laws apply to them. I, I can appreciate that there are laws right now that discriminate and that should not be the case. But laws should be clear, objective, universal and um well I guess those definitions are good. And basically if you have those then everyone in society can can function better. Now it's still the case that even though they're clear and universal, you still have, you know, Let's say a law is like a clear universal law, but it's like a, like a mathematical formula. You, you still need lawyers to come in and say, in this event, this is the A in the formula, and this is the B in the formula. Therefore, this is the law that needs to be applied based on our interpretation of the law and the event that happened. So you still need people to connect the law to the event. But th- that, that universal law is very, very beneficial to mankind. And we've been developing these sorts of laws for thousands of years. Okay. I'm going to argue as an ANCAP here, first and foremost, and say that the non-aggression principle isn't something where you sort of rationalize every single action and say, that's a violation of my rights, therefore X, Y, and Z occurs. Society doesn't operate that way. Society doesn't operate under this God-given universal standard whereby everything is perfect. I'm not, uh, sure, I'm not, sure, what, I'm not sure what you mean, sorry. Right, the non-aggression principle is simply a method in which one can analyze if an action was a violation of the rights or not. It isn't some law which is followed in the sense of fiat, whereby everyone is under this universalized, imposed, or fiat law. Okay. People have to follow this or else something happens, right? That's okay. what the legal system is. So would you say that the non-aggression, so the claim with the non-aggression principle, when you said that you feel your rights have been violated, that's a subjective feeling? No, it's a completely based off of ethical study. But everyone, what I'm trying ev- to say, everyone's intrinsically born with this knowledge? I mean, anyone who's considered a rational agent, yes. Right, but it's super, is, com- it's super complicated to know right, if someone's violated your rights or you haven't violated theirs. Not necessarily. 
I mean, let me let me try to let me try to illustrate. Let me let me try to illustrate this for you. Anarchism, first and foremost, is not a patent solution. There is no solution, even under fiat. There is no solution whereby this particularized uh, certain action is then uh, there's justice to these actions. Always, there's always going to be injustice in any given system, in any given society, right? That is, the legal system as well is incapable of fundamentally ensuring the protection of individual rights across the board. But back on, like earlier from the beginning, we want to try to refute the notion that a legal system is necessary for protecting individual rights. It's fundamental that the legal system itself, by way of how it sustains itself, Right, monopoly and violence in order to enforce a penal right requires one fundamental thing, which is an agorist class theory, that taxes are necessary, a leech on economics, through coercion must occur in order for this entire system to operate in the first place. Uh, now, no, I, I, say I, that this, I, I now, don't you can say that this is... I don't agree to that in my system. That, okay, you could say that this is some sort of objective good, objective sort of... Uh, Right, there is right. a rational, objective, and intrinsic good to each and every single subject, regardless of if a subject agrees or not. Right, so hold, hold on, mean... you, hold on you, you're making a premise here. So I appreciate that that's the current state of things. My society would not have a coercive tax system, so it's not relevant to me, this, this assertion. Okay. Sorry, I didn't hear you. I'm going to get one real quick. I'll be back. Okay. Okay. Um, if I may briefly take the floor while he's grabbing water. Uh, Novak, you said you wanted the floor. Um, Novak, don't you dare. Don't you well, dare, Novak. I mean, Keep quiet. I know you're angry. Don't say anything. <laughs> I, I would say... <laughs> oh, goodness. I, I'd like keep, to wait Keep it bottled. Spiders. Use your inside voice, but Novak. Yeah. Oh. Uh, give me a sec. Boo 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 boo. Everyone can hear me? Use your inside I'm voice, in. Novak. Yep, you're coming through. I apologize. I'm in. You can hear me? Yes, I can hear Can you. I be heard? Okay, good. Okay, let's start off. First things first, blah, blah, blah. Where do I start with? Uh, it's not a debate with you, though. Yeah, yeah, but you made two crazy decisions. Yeah, okay, I'm not, I'm not, yeah, it's not a, I, look, I haven't debated okay, ANCAPs. I know. I I, I appreciate that it's upsetting what I said to Ancaps. I said I admitted it, but you know, let me in this debate get away with it, and you can you can you can complain about my uh, behavior later. Alright, right, fine, okay, fine. Okay, but just like two clarifications, I think Spire messed up on. Sure. Um, the state as a class, and why it's distinct from like what was it? I don't recall what point was the state was. Then was saying like how is that different from like say a, a criminal gang, right? Why is, why is criminal or not? Because, you know, because call something criminal, you need some legal bodies to violate, right? So it can't be criminal because the state is the highest order, right? That was your argument, right? Me? Yeah. I'm saying that criminal organizations, as practice, do not diverge from the state. Mm-hmm. As so, practice, don't diverge from the state. So basically, the state is, is a criminal organization with the monopoly on force. Mm-hmm. You agree? No. Okay, you don't agree with that. No. All right. So now let's go over. You said you've read a Hoppy. What have you read about Hoppy? Hoppy? Well, I I said yeah. that I said that I that this assertion that the state is a criminal organization is a is a package deal fallacy. 
because the mm-hmm. state because the state so if you're saying the state intervenes in a negative way in people's life i would say that the state also intervenes in a positive way in people's life and you can't say that it just intervenes in a negative way because it also does positive okay. things like protect rights okay 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 good so I'll start with that we're going to have a different class we're okay, not starting not anything true. novak it's not a debate with you just ask a quick question Okay, let's ask. No, I was going to clarify the two points. I just okay. want to clarify the two because I just can't let it slide. Okay, so when it comes on to like the states being white, why we say it's a criminal class is because law is objective. We can agree on that, right? I think, I, I think law is objective, yes. I think law is science, basically. Yeah, good. I, I, for the most part, we tend to agree with you on that. So argument is, if it's true that it's objective, then any violation of it is bad. It doesn't matter what for what's the ends, whatever. So if per se, even if you were to make the argument that the state also intervenes positively, mm-hmm. it's completely irrelevant. If I, a, a thief, steal from you and give the tax, the, the money I steal to like some old person and that thieves your family, it doesn't reveal the fact that I'm a thief. No, that's not what I'm okay. saying. That's not what I'm saying. I, I appreciate, okay. I'm, not, I'm, I'm not disagreeing that taxation, of course, if I've already stated so. And in my system... We would not have coercive taxation to fund the state. Um, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I'm. I'm just saying. I'm not saying that on the whole, on the whole, it is better or worse. I'm just saying it does positive and negative things. So you can't say that it's just negative. Okay. Okay. But give me a sec. Hold on a second. The thing in the anchor's view of it. Okay. Like we looking at as a fellow free marketer, you understand a problem with a monopoly, right? Yes. I. I know that you guys say that a lot, and I. I can appreciate. I can appreciate that uh, condition here in, in the case of law enforcement. I have a problem specifically with the the law as science part because at some point you, it, it's not like it's not like you have a like a let's just take scientists for a second. It's not the case that there's a a market for science in the sense that um, when someone discovers something then discovered like this compound works in reality, this chemical compound works in reality. It's not the case that it's debated. It just works in reality for everyone. It's, it's, objective, it's, it's objective. And there isn't a market for that necessarily. It's not like we can argue that it is or isn't working in reality. So even in this context, if you have like a legal system, that would still be a monopoly because everyone like added to this body of work, this intellectual body of work. So in the very well, case yeah, there'll be a monopoly. Now, if, if you say, if you say to me, look, PZH, I, I don't like the way the state is set up and I want to have it like, div- I, I want, I don't like this monopoly thing. I want it uh, broken up into states and, and, and then inside states broken up even further. And then each one of these, these sections will have its own police force so that you won't have a large monopoly across the whole country. I, I could be amenable to that. I would still say you, you may need an army to protect from outside, not inside, but outside forces. I don't see how you can avoid that, historically speaking. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm, and, and again, I, I can be very open to people need to go to uh, like these intervention thingies where you have like some person to decide if someone broke the law before you go to a court. I'm not, I forgot how it's called. Like some some kind of intermediary that, that talks to the two parties and, and resolves it before going to a court. These are things that I'm I'm perfectly happy with. Uh, but but that's where I am now. I haven't fully fleshed this whole concept out, but that's where I am at the moment. 
Okay. All right, I'm not going to really debate you on it. I'm just going to point out that even in that case, the fact of the matter is, like, regardless of whatever state you have, no matter what checks you put on the state, you got to have to remember there's no, there's no way, there's no real objective reason why a state won't expand and, and transcend those limits, like it always has historically happened. That the state that's won't expand, yeah? Is that is that the, the claim? Yeah, that's the claim. I mean, yeah, I, I can agree that that is certainly a concern. I mean, you can have the state expand in, like, a regulatory agency can exp- will always expand. The police necessarily can expand. The army can expand. I'm, I'm not saying that is a concern, um, and I don't have an answer for it right now. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's, that's the ANCAP argument for why it's a criminal organization. You can't stop it from being criminal. I, as, as far as I know, I think even, I think even Ayn Rand agreed with this point. Yeah, good, good. So that's the that's the main group of it. You can't stop a state from doing criminal stuff. So that's why. Well, expanding, yeah. sure, but yeah, like if if like it, if it ran out of criminals, it would invent criminals or something like that. But but yeah. yeah, I don't I don't have an answer for that just yet. Yeah, so I'm not gonna beat you on it. But that's the argument. I I appreciate so that. That's that. As for why it's a separate class, the reason why it's a separate class, like say, you must say, where I define class and class struggle inside the chat. The reason I say it's a separate class because there's a certain privileges granted to it that you don't get anywhere else on the free market. Say, for example, like you were you were comparing it to corporations and so on, why corporations are a separate class, blah, blah, blah. That's what you were saying, right? Well, I'm saying it's not... Uh, the, me saying corporations, it's like it's ridiculing, ridiculing the point that it's a class because everything is, is then a class. It's There's no distinguishing features. Okay. All right. Now let's specify what Spirus looked at, okay? Um, the reason why it's a class, I like say, I don't know, a small business or like, a, what's the term, a criminal, other criminal gang, gangs aren't considered a class, is because it's, it's, the things it does are, are right, are given certain privileges. Like say, for example, Bill Gates can't ban gay marriage no matter where he is. Unless, of course, he's on his own property. In which case, he can say, like, you're not supposed to kiss people inside my store or something. Sorry, well, I'm not. I'm not following. Uh, I'm, uh, your mic is a bit is a bit low. I'm not following what you're saying. Where's my face? Can you hear me now? Yeah. All right. So give me a sec. So say for example, Bill Gates can't say ban gay marriage, right? If he can at most censor it on his what's the term on his lawn or something, mm-hmm. and even it's debatable because you're not in a free market. That's still illegal. So you actually can't do that. But presuming in a free market, you have the ability to do that. Somebody else could just easily go like literally right next to him. I don't have a problem with it. You guys can go ahead and do it on my house. Same thing, same thing, by the way, overall, they're, them on their property, like Bill Gates can't transcend where he is. A state, however, can, because technically, regardless of your consent or not, it owns you. It owns your property. It owns otherwise. So therefore, it is a class given. Um, it was an a priori statement. At, what was his name? Hans Hermann Hoppe actually made inside of his, his book, Democracy, the God That Failed. The imposition of any tax automatically creates two different classes, the taxer and the taxee, because the very imposition of a tax means that there's a person who has more authority over your things than you. That's what it means to tax. That's why we can't tax churches. But, but follow? Okay, this is not valid to my system then. Okay. I can appreciate that it's the way it is now, but it's not valid to my system. And, and certainly, and certainly, I could make the claim that when America started out, private property had like a very high status. Yeah. Like, like even the president couldn't 
couldn't tell someone i think yeah there's actually there's a book on, there's a book on it um um there was uh, some aspects of Ankapistan inside the uh, US, US, early us place but i mean it wasn't really Ankapistan because i mean the us constitution explicitly gave the federal government certain rights well i mean if so. if you didn't have the 16th constitution uh constitution amendment and um I mean, again, the constitution is not perfect, but the constitution was written yeah, but- by, by people that at the time were fleeing from uh, oppressive governments in Europe. And they did have a relatively good uh, document. And the idea in that document is to give rights that protect the citizens from the government, that the government cannot um, violate these rights from the, of, of the citizens. Obviously, over time, there's been an encroachment yeah. and these things have gone worse, but the theory is still there and you can point to examples in history where um, the people had more authority over the property against the government. Yeah, but that's the whole uncap argument, which is even sure. if per se you perfect constitution, you can't stop it from expanding. And irrespective, the fact I, of the matter is there's a way to bind someone a contract without their consent. And that's what the constitution is. Sorry, say again. What was the last one? And there is no way to bind someone to a contract without their consent, without their written consent. Okay. That's explicitly what the constitution is. So it's a violation. The social contract is a violation, basically. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, uh, the way it is now, it's not ideal. That's all I wanted to say. Okay. Where are we, Frank? What are we doing? Um, I mean, honestly, you caught me right when I would have <laughs> jumped in. Um, so to, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Maybe go ahead. Okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, so to this end, it seems like really our trouble would have been initially the resolves being unclear. Um, and I take partial responsibility for that. Um, that being said, insofar as we have reached, I'll be candid, uh, <laughs> at this point, we're effectively at a general discussion. Um, insofar as the debate is concerned, I don't believe that there's anywhere else for us to go. Uh, this is more, discussion on a platform as it stands yeah i agree um you know i'll um yeah go ahead i'm trying to summarize this entire thing but um overall this debate was a semantic argument on the dictionary definition of class it Frankly, from the beginning, from the beginning, um, I looked at two articles, libertarian class analysis and parts class theory. And in my vulgar, very aggressive tone, I said, quote, refute libertarian class analysis or shut up, please. So given that I've introduced or presented the Agorth uh, side on what class struggle constitutes the relation of the political class and the non-political class and how the state has a fundamental ontology and organizational model which certain actions must occur in order for it to sustain itself, actions which violate principles of liberty on the non-political state. 
I think we can agree on that particular notion of class, uh, that particular definition of class, even though it's not necessarily a deviant from the dictionary definition, that class struggle exists between the two. And that, you know, um, I never tried to argue for dialect, uh, historical materialism, uh, I never tried to argue for class struggle in Marx and so on. Uh, yeah, I guess after my closing statement. Yeah. Okay, I'll uh, have my closing statement. So, first of all, all the socialists can suck it. We all agree that the class struggle is wrong. Marx was wrong. You should not see society as a class struggle between those who own the mean of production and those who do not. This is a archaic and wrong concept that everyone here agrees on and uh, you should live your life to the best of your abilities without being hindered by this by the threat that some group of rich people is preventing you from living your life and going forward you should look to remove anyone anyone who's listened to this chat should question other people if they feel the class struggle is real and from here on out argue with them and debate with them that it's definitely not real, because we all agree that it isn't. Uh, with regards to specifically the uh, the side um, position that the state is evil and there's a, a, there's a struggle with it, I would say obvious, I would say that this, it's not ideal the way the state is right now, and certainly um, it's far from ideal even, even in my situation, but the state still does positive things for for the people in it, in democratic um, countries, there was some sort of influence over the the state, although I'm not sure to what to what degree. A lot of people think there is a way of voting and making some changes. I'm not as optimistic as they are, but for argument's sake, let's just say the mechanism is still there. And I don't agree that it's like a a one-to-one struggle where people in the state. Um, people who live in the in in that state are against the government of that state. You you could say that there is an example in the world today where there is a struggle with the state, and that would be uh, the Islamic Republic of Iran. And the people right now are trying to abolish that state, but not in Western society, or we we haven't reached that particular point. But if there is, and there is a big struggle, and, and the state is violating in a way that's unacceptable to the people, and we have mass protests, like we've seen around the world today, both in Iran and other countries in the Middle East, and countries in and France, and things of that nature. So it's not the case that it's an ongoing struggle, per se. If something comes up, then there'll be a struggle in that particular moment in time. Uh, but yeah, challenge a class struggle, the classic version of it, whenever you hear it. And uh, thank you, everyone, for coming to the debate. Uh, one final thing. I offer an invitation to anyone, especially, if they would like to argue against, uh, not today, since I kind of want to sleep since I haven't slept, but um, if anyone wants to argue against the socialist analysis, the relation of capital and labor, the expropriation of uh, labor, and so on, if anyone wants to challenge that premise as a form of clash struggle and uh, more than willing to argue for it as 
my analysis primarily comprises, primarily looks at the relation of capital. But um, yeah, overall, we can agree on one thing, and it's good that we can agree on one thing at least. Um, we're nasty each other, nasty to each other. But uh, Marx's overall historic materialism, uh, his grand narrative, his uh, entire notion of historical development is completely false. You and I can both agree on that. And yeah, I guess that's just the discussion then. <laughs>